As we continue with part two of 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush with 97X owners Doug and Linda Baylog, we would be remiss not to bring up the man who was the ex in 97X, Steve Baker. 97 Extra Cash Save, 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 97 Extra Cash We would be remiss if we talked to the two of you and didn't talk about Steve Baker. So tell us about how that marriage happened. Uh, well, Lindy had that nice, yeah. Steve Baker, oh my God, yeah. Oh. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my quick, Steve Baker... You know, and, you know, I remember the wonderful line that Julie Maxwell used and, you know, somebody asked, you know, who was her favorite breakfast club host? And she said something so sweet, like, I love all my children the same, you know? Well, I got to tell you that Bake is in a class by himself. He was our preeminent 97Xer, you know, and if that means something like surpassing all the others, he did so much at that station for so long. And I mean, I just can't, he was, you know, he defined the soul of that station and all of us and the two of us are like, wow, he's, he's the guy. Well, he could do everything. And I obviously. think they could confirm this. I think when we were, when he was getting hired or somewhere around there and he might say, no, nah, you're full of shit. That didn't happen. But that's true of most of the things I remember. He, he said something like, he said, I can do a little bit of everything. You know, I can do a little engineering. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I can do that. You know, and of course, he could do all that and twice more. But he said, you know, the one thing I don't want to do ever is sell. Yeah, yeah. And so that worked out really well. I think you guys probably know this about him, but. Um, he is a really big deal at Miami University right now. I mean, really mm-hmm. big deal, which he deserves through all kinds of um, ways that they were part of his life and ours too. But I mean, he just earned every bit of that. And boy, is he something special over there. I just said he's at the top of the list and you, you are going to give me my last five minutes where I can do whatever the hell I want, which I, but he is at the top of the list. I did write a list down. You know, I can, I can write, I can write most of my favorite children if, as long as I have a footnote in the addendum. <laughs> well, no, but Linda, well, you, you brought up a, a great point, and I think that was it, it was like a relationship where Bake brought so much to the station, and a, 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 on the same yeah. token, the station did a lot for Steve Baker and allowed him to pursue his career. He's the voice of the the Red Hawks now and has been for many years involved in their uh, sports information department. He truly is doing what he loves to this day. He got his degree. You know, like it's just like a a wonderful story of how the Baylogs and the Baker man got together and the the sum was greater than the parts, and the parts were pretty damn Mm, good. Definitely. Yeah, and you know we worked uh, worked together, you know, every day for twenty years. Um, 
you know, sometimes, you know, so busy we didn't talk very much, but we were, you know, we were there all the time. And so it was uh, the, the talents and the things he could do. And, you know, in the beginning, meeting Gonzo at 3 a.m. out at the transmitter and Bake would already be there and we got hit by lightning. And, you know, it's like he was always there. And there was so much he could do, his skill level and his talent level. As there were so many people like we're talking right now and I'm, this is not to flatter you because you know, like we're not getting paid and you know, whatever, but you know, Dave and Damien were two of the, the brightest creative light bulbs that we had in the whole time. You weren't the only ones, but there were none brighter. And it was so much fun working with you guys. And that, you know, I'm, I can't get into every person, but uh, that was true with there's so many relationships and so many people. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm going to tell you about this. Dave's, this is going to, Dave will either pee his pants or he'll just get red. But Dave was one of the greatest people to work with because he had this quality. I think it's on my list, but Dave always was in a good mood. And Dave always spread that around the bill. You have no idea how important it is when a person can affect other people in a positive way. And I worked closer with Dave because he was program director and he was there for a long time. But I'll tell you, that is a special quality. And that was, and other people had it too. But Dave was one of those. I don't think I ever saw him cranky. I don't ever, you know, and in a small business, when you, when you're looking at the whole thing every day or trying to, boy, that just takes some of the pressure off you because there's always going to be somebody that's, you know, bitching or complaining. I think that's one of the ones on the list. Don't spread that stuff around. So, um, anyhow, I just want to say that cause I'm talking to you guys. Thank you, Doug. Uh, we could get into a compliment fest because I learned so much from you and Linda, the bail luggages, which we will get to. And, and, and as I said, when I left uh, the station, it was the university of the bay logs is what I felt like I graduated out of. Um, but, but the one thing uh, I, I do want to strike the rumors that you guys did not genetically make bake. Cause we have heard from some of the other podcasts that right. you work right. with some Miami professors yeah. right. <laughs> done something. So that well, we, 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 we work with somebody at Miami to see if we could clone, yeah. you know, we wanted to clone a bake that could sell. And if we would would have done that, you know, we could have, you know, taken over the market. Sky's the limit. Doug, I, di- I did want to ask you and Linda about, like, you, you seem to have, like, we've heard from talking to other people where you'd walk past when somebody's listening to a demo air check cassette and say, hey, hire that person. You seem to have that, that eye for mm-hmm. talent and that ear for talent. Like, what made you say this person will be a good fit for 97X? Well, I'll tell you, I think there was a one, I think it was when you just re, it was in the bake, bake, uh, podcast where he said, you know, I walked by and I heard the, you know, heard his pipes or whatever. Same thing happened in Jetson. I mean, that was serendipitous. Jetson was dropping off the tape and I ran into him just because of that second I was walking by and I heard his voice and I said, Oh, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm working on radio in Fort Wayne or whatever. And so two, two, three weeks later, he's, you know, at the station as program director. Uh, I, I think, generally speaking, I you know we boy one thing I think you know, we if we will talk about the division of duties or division A, but one thing Linda and I did we knew how far our pay grade went, and so we didn't get into the music 
because we knew we had people who knew much more about it, cared much more about it in an intimate way, and so we knew when to stay out of the way. But, you know, when I was in television the last 10 years, I had nine, I was based in Chicago, but I had oversaw nine offices all the way out to LA and San Francisco. And I was hiring people all the time. And I really found um, that I could, you know, I, I could look at the resume in two seconds, but I could pretty much, after hiring so many people, and it just translated there, hire people and know maybe in eight or nine or 10 or 12 minutes, and I push the resume aside or, you know, and say, well, tell me about yourself or tell me about your family, whatever. And you get a sense. And I think that the commonality of some, somebody did ask me this a while ago. And it's like, um, we hired nice people and that sounds corny, but we did. And that to me is the most important thing when you bring people inside a business, small business. And we were we perfect? No, but that was it was that simple. Maybe it was my right brain that worked when I was around people that I was talking to. So you know, on the programming music side, you know, I might hear somebody and think, "Wow, yeah, that's that's really good." I did walk by Phil Manning's office when I heard the first spin of uh, Joey by Concrete Blonde, and I said, "That's that's a hit." You know, not not how we're supposed to talk around there, but anyhow. Um, so it was hiring nice people. It sounds stupid, but that's what that's what we did. I knew right away if I thought this person would you fit FIT inside the building, and uh, we were all you know right. Uh, I'd say almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to touch on, I think is pretty important, is uh, a directive that Linda started. And I remember us going to a uh, room at Miami's campus. Um, and it took us a while uh, because you had done work like this before and crafted the mission statement, which I actually yeah. have framed. And, and for those ah. of you who uh, don't know it, I'm going to read it real quick. And then, Linda, if you could tell me the story of why this came about, but, but here's the, uh, yeah, the sure. mission statement. 97X is the rock and roll station for educated, socially and environmentally concerned, individualistic, free-thinking, open-minded, serious music lovers that presents modern rock in a relevant environment. Pretty good, huh? Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it really was a device that was used a lot in the business I was in in Chicago, which is um, often a, a group of people would be together to work out something, an idea, whatever else. Um, but I honestly think that even though it's used in a group like that, it's mostly there to get the whole group on the same page. And by the way, that was a phrase that was never even used at that you know period in time. But I think what we were trying to get as a group is um, what do we want to do except in some ways, the better question would be, what do we want to be? And so when we were together, the idea was to sort of think about as a group these ideas and decide how we can put them into some sort of action. Um, what is our reasons for, reason for existence? I mean, those are kind of lofty things, but that was what we were talking about. And I honestly think it also was... We never voted on things because that's not, it's not something you vote on. It's something you agree on. And so Mm -hmm. it isn't nearly scientific. It was just part of the way ideas were brought to a group. And most of the time it kind of works. And I really like this. 
I haven't read this mission statement for years and years and years, but I really like it. I mean, it, it's very mm-hmm. lofty, but boy, it does kind of capture the feeling, doesn't it? And it's timeless. Oh. It fits now, too. What's that? It's timeless. I think it fits now, too. I mean, I, I, if there was ah. a radio station doing that right now, I would tune in. Yeah. Wow. Good. So, Linda, well, what I don't th- think we did it quickly because we didn't need to. We sort of all on the same, same, same page again, mm-hmm. all on the same page pretty quickly. So it was just me saying, let's do this, and here's some ideas, and it, it wasn't very hard to get to that, I don't think. Linda, while we well, have you on the line, because we know it's tough for you to get a word in edgewise with Doug, but can you talk yeah, a little bit absolutely <laughs> about the, the separation of duties at the station as, as a, a mom-and-pop station? Uh, Doug was probably a little bit more visible because he was out making the sales calls and stuff. But oh, yeah. W- tell us about the, the back office stuff that you handled because you did a ton of work that didn't show up on air. Well, that's true because most of it had to do with um, the fact that somebody's got to, you know, count the money or somebody's got to pay the bills or whatever else. But I could do that. This is kind of way before the time when people talked about this, but I could do that from home and mostly did. And man, that was great. I was spoiled rotten by that. So, I mean, I just essentially uh, made sure we didn't go broke as best I could do and make sure everybody got paid as well as we could and all those obvious things that um, Doug would never have wanted to do, frankly. He just doesn't like that kind of stuff. So that was kind of nifty. It worked out that we could both be a part of the day-to-day without being in the same room. We, 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 you know, we had a lot of you know, business experience coming in, and it was you know, then how to translate it into a struggling small business. But one of the things we learned really early that was, uh, and I say stumbled into it, it just it really was almost like the adages is that we did have a distinct development of a division of labor. And one of the, and I had, you know, after everything was going, I've taught, taught entrepreneurship and been involved in entrepreneurship projects and et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that um, when you work together with your partner, who's in the same business and happens to be your wife most of the models of that is that the business fails first and then the marriage or vice versa. I guess it's the vice versa. So we, what we learned early on is that one, one of the things, because we were both hard charging people in a similar industry and we did fairly well, what we learned is you can't both do the same thing and you also can't say the fatal words that mean the business is not that far from being in trouble, but the marriage will be, is if you say, you know, I would have done it this way. Yeah. You get, you get to say two of those. <laughs> and so we divided that up. And here, here's one of the other components, cheerleading. Two people, when things are like a shitstorm, you can't both dwell on it and go down the rabbit hole. One person has to be able to rise above and help the other one out. And so we developed and we did this. We did it at Syracuse and we did it at Babson. And actually the Babson teacher uh, you know, asked us if he could continue teaching it in his family business course. Um, a thing that was called work together, sleep together. Husband and wife entrepreneurs in the same business. And I think it had about 17 
divisions. And it wasn't that we every day looked at them, we knew. And so, you know, Linda handled the lawyers and the FCC and uh, bankers and, you know, all kinds of things like that. In the beginning, you know, let me tell you the heroine that she was is she, um, there were no computers. The logs were done manually. The billings were posted manually. These were, and, you know, fortunately we'd be running hopefully more spots and more spots. And then computers finally came in, computers relative to the logs and things. And um, those were days that were, you know, I was working as the station got stronger and better. I was working maybe a little less longer and she was working longer and longer. So the lady behind the curtain was the, uh, you know, sort of like it's bake and sort of tied is, you know, the love of my life, Linda, number two, you know, and then all the rest of us fall into a nice category of, you know, people who, you know, worked hard, believed in what we were doing and just got the goddamn job done. You know, the cutest part of that little story is we still still do things the same way. I pay the bills. Doug cooks. And who knew this? But he is absolutely one of the most amazing cooks I've ever heard of, or been with in my life. And the best part of it is he never uses a recipe. This stuff is all out of that crazy brain. He loves food. He knows what he's doing. So isn't that just the sweetest thing you've heard today? Yeah, Chef Jacques microwave (laughs) (laughs) no no he's good so anyhow that was very helpful and um it 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 really helped us be able to because you know you you stop and think you know this is this is an exaggeration to make a point but it's 99 percent true you know linda and i were in a business that was open 24 7 for 23 years Reminds me of a story about the banker who said, why don't you, you know, he said, you know, you guys could make more money if you just, you know, recorded stuff and, you know, overnight, why are you paying these people? You know, it's kind of like, eh, we wouldn't want to work there then. So, you know, we, we were able to figure it all out, put it all together, and it worked really well. But we, you know, it, it is a challenge. You know, the one, the one thing I still, every time I hear something even like it, is like, if I hear this, Uh-oh. That's when the station would go off the air. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And when you're listening to your stereo receiver at home or in your car or in the beginning, you know, it was uh, it happened more than I want to admit. But um, anyhow, we, we, we figured it out. Yeah, we well, did. And don't forget, I did watch my and, parents do this for my entire life. Mom and the money and dad with the other stuff. So anyway. Well, one one quick reference is is was a joke between those of us when we would watch a storm roll in. I think Phil Manning mentioned that. Do you think that one's going to knock us off the air? No, I hope not. Oh, now that one looks like it could be knocking us off the air. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I hated thunderstorms. Let me tell you. But here's here's what we first. Okay, so this is this was like uh, welcome cocky people to entrepreneurship. The first week of ownership, I was living for about three weeks or so out of Houston Woods. Linda was wrapping things up in Chicago. And we had, you know, this, you know, you start, I mean, you start at midnight. So uh, the first weekend, the, the um, 
guy who did actually he was a great jock. He did mornings, morning, what you'd call morning drive, afternoon drive, station manager, and he was just he was he was a really good kid. And so he hosted at the Fox and Hounds. Remember across from I think where Kroger was. And he hosted a little barbecue, you know, get to know the new owner and all this stuff. And well, you're having, you know, having some beers and a burger and, and, uh, I'm, you know, the radio's going and it's really cool. And, hey, we own this, well, I was there, we own this place. And all of a sudden I hear for the first time in my life, <laughs> and, and Mike comes over and says, we're off, oh, shit, we're off the air again. And I go, Again? He said, oh, yeah, it happens three or four times a week. Come on, I'll show you. He, he go, takes me out, and we had this 20-year-old Gates transmitter in a little concrete building that lived with mice. And I saw my first dead man stick. And he goes in, and he kind of kicks something, and it starts up again. And that's when I knew we were in some trouble. <laughs> and I think I called Linda that night, and it's the first time in our lives. I said, there are problems. When he said the engineer is about an hour and a half away. So um, that was like a wake-up call that this isn't like it used to be in television and advertising. So anyhow. Well, welcome welcome to ownership Before of the radio station. Oh, yeah. yeah welcome right. to ownership, yes. Before I, I forget this, and I don't want to, so this is way off track, but I really want to say this. One of the people that I will always smile about, will always owe big, do you remember Kathy Lucas? Oh, yeah. Who did all those yes. logs and all that kind of stuff when I was doing other stuff at that point. And do you remember this cute little story about her? She was a really bright person, really, really smart all the way. But she had a baby when we were all together. Not, I mean, at the station, but I mean, when we were all in the same employment range. And I think the baby's name was Sophie. Does it sound right? Yes. That's yes. Right. yes. That anyway, Sophie, this is why I bring this up, because this is so cute. Kathy had an office not that far away from the studio, and she would be there and brought Sophie in there. But since she had her own office, it was small, but she would take in the middle of the afternoon the file cabinet open and had made a little bed in there for Sophie to sleep. Now, she never shut the you know thing when Sophie was there, but I just still to this day laugh at the baby in the file cabinet and absolutely nothing strange about it. We thought that was just, of course, why not? I thought Kathy closed the door once, but maybe not. <laughs> oh, she may. Oh, you mean the, <laughs> no, the old oh, angel. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We, we yeah. actually... But anyway, we, she was an incredible person, and she is the one who did so much stuff for me that I might otherwise would have had to figure out time to do so. I could go home and do things that were easier done there, but Kathy was just brilliant. Yeah. Just, I loved her. I remember when she started there. Yeah. No. One of the many people, yeah. in a second I want to get to, uh, the, the question I want to ask is, to this day, uh, Damien and I still go to shows in Cincinnati. Sometimes, how'd you guys know each other? Well, we worked at 97X together, and people who are younger that might not remember the station would say, isn't that the movie in Rain Man? So if that's oh the, isn't it the station wow. Rain Man, so if you could explain how all that came about, the, the whole being in this unbelievable movie. Ah, good question. How did it? How did it, Doug? Well, yeah, I, I, I heard because uh, we we recently listened to Bake's uh, podcast, and his his was uh, I think pretty spot on. I, I, I got, I'll add a few things. Okay, you want some texture? Uh, the yeah. last part is a lot of texture. Um, 
I do remember because this happened every once in a while. If, if there was that, I I did get a phone call. I think it was United Artists or whatever. And you know, the, the idea of because I never screened my call. So when they came in the front, they got sent directly back. So when we trained the director of first impressions, it was don't ask the person who they are. And my my assumption was which was not a necessarily correct assumption that one out of a million people might want to buy some advertising. So I wanted to talk to him directly. So I didn't screen my calls. And so that whatever the call came in and I said, well, I'll tell you what, let me call you right back. So I got the phone number. Cause then if it's, if it's a crank call, but it was legitimate. And so it kind of started there and then they pretty well described it about sending liners and things. Um, I think probably, the one thing that I remember about it, well, actually, I'll give you two things and maybe on the back side of it. Um, I think the question, I could be wrong, that this, they send her in their researchers who check the scenes. And so uh, my thought was a little different, Bakes, but not much different, is that they asked what station, they didn't care what was the biggest station or the station that had the biggest rating. Because I got to know Gail Mutrix a little bit, who was one of the associate directors who eventually won Academy Award several years later, but she was my contact there. And, um, I think the researchers, the question, what they were asking about radio was not biggest, biggest ratings, most money, big corporation, as well as the cool or the hip radio station, because Tom Tom Cruise's character was this hip happening guy with, you know, fancy cars and thought he was really cool guy from LA. And well, the cool station in LA happened to be K-Rock at the time. So I think that might have helped us, you know, get in line to at least, you know, be the ones that they started to look at. But my favorite story, my favorite story is that on, I think the, the, the Cincinnati premiere was the day after a Tuesday, after the Monday night world premiere in LA. And, and I heard Bake maybe say the last half of this story. So, on Tuesday morning, which was the night of the Cincinnati premiere, as I remember, it was December 12th, 1988. I remember those things. And so I'm, I was not, as most of you know, I was not a person who got in the office really early, but I was certainly in around nine-ish. And that Tuesday morning, before we were all going to the Showcase Cinemas to see the Cincinnati premiere, I, a phone call comes in, nine o'clock-ish, now that we live out here, we know that nine o'clock in Ohio is six o'clock in LA. And I pick up the phone and I hear this. You won't fucking believe it. You will not fucking believe it. Dustin Hoffman says 30, no, 20 times. You will not believe it. Well, that person was Howie Klein, who was at Sire Records then a year or so later to become really famous and, uh, Island Records, and he and I have exchanged that story in the last six or seven years on personal message on Facebook. But at that point, we knew, I of course told Linda, I think I told Bake to some degree, but I think we didn't want to tell everybody how special it might be. But we did know we were in the movie, because I talked to Gail a couple weeks before not knowing anything about how the movie business works and we hadn't heard from them but Linda and I signed like two inches of paperwork and had sent it to them and we oh wow we're going to be in the movie so when I talked to her 
like two weeks before early December and you know, are we in the movie? You know, and she basically said, well, you are in the movie, but you don't know about the movie business on the 24 to 30 hours before the premiere, you could be on the editing floor. So that was the first confirmation when Howie Klein called that we were actually in the movie and the way his exuberance at 6 a.m. in the morning, I thought, you know, this isn't just going to be a drive by. <laughs> so anyhow, that was one of my, my favorite, uh, Rain Man stories that that came out of that. 97 Annex. The future of rock and roll. 97 X. Band. The future of rock and roll. 97 X. Band. The future of rock and roll. 97 X. Band. Future of rock and roll. Ray, And that's it for part two of our interview with Doug and Linda on 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush. We have part three coming up where we ask Doug the question, do you still wear your electric factory concert sweatshirt Every day at home. 97X. How dare you? Excuse me? How dare you call yourself a musician? <laughs> Loads of bands use drum loops. Loads of elevators play Celine Dion. That don't make it right. Then get your double box out of here. Move it, Moby. Rumblings from the Big Bush.